You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. Sir, are your pants meowing? Yeah, you interested? Pull up. No, the plane is about to crash. Wind shear. You're looking a little anxious, Kent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Increase climb. Only if you really need me to. Threw his clothes off. Had an accident. Got his tree. And went night-night. 50, 40. Oh, so like some dumb bro shit. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. 30, 20, 10. Clear of conflict. Room tone. All right. Welcome back. This is an aviation history podcast, which looks at events in aviation history like air disasters, incidents, accidents, mishaps, and just crazy events. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm your host and the creator of the podcast. If you want to see pictures of the events and enhance your experience, you should follow me on Instagram at AluminumTube. I got rid of my Twitter. You can also email me at AluminumTubePodcast at gmail.com. Please visit my landing page, uh, no pun intended, at altubepodcast.com or aluminumtubepodcast.com and there you can listen to episodes, join my Patreon for just $3 a month, read about the co-hosts or just uh, tell your friends about the show and leave a review. That always helps a lot. And if you want to see pictures, the pictures that I post about the episodes, you can find them on Instagram. They're both in the carefully labeled story highlights and in the gallery. If you've listened to other episodes, you already know that I always have a co-host who is not an aviation expert, and their role is to ask questions that will help you, the listener, better understand what actually happened. So today, I have a returning co-host. It is James MacArthur. Hello. Now, James, um, I haven't recorded an episode in six months, and you haven't been on in like a year. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we got a lot of updates to do, man. Yep. So tell me what's going on with you. Uh, Well... My podcast, Couple Pints Pod, uh, that's our handle on everything. You can follow us. We're kind of stagnant right now because my laptop broke, so that's fun. Other than that, I've been doing audio for a couple pretty sick podcasts, Hotboxing with Mike Tyson. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's yeah that one's fun. Uh, the crew has it with Gianni and Michael Rainey Jr. from Power. So you didn't even update me on these. I would have gone yeah. and listened to them and listened um, the Last Stand, which is like a sports podcast. Oh, cool! Forgive me, I forget the host's name. And I'm not uh, big on sports either. So yeah, and then uh, another podcast with Eric Legrand called A Cup of Believe, which is also like a sports type thing. So I get why you've been busy. Yeah, just I mean, doing you... <laughs> a lot of sound. Right, exactly. Doing and they a lot want of me stuff. to get into post, and it's a whole thing. So I'm I'm professionally doing podcasts as opposed to. My silly little side venture of Couple Pines Pod. <laughs> okay, right, right, yeah. As for me, I well, I recorded an episode six months ago, and I had to take a break because obviously I was an Airbus captain. They made me like a line training captain, basically Ooh. a line check pilot and a training captain. So I had to go to school for that, and then I had to do a whole bunch of jump through a whole bunch of hoops to meet and all. You, the... you told me off air, but for us. Off air. But for us laymen, what's a line check captain? So a line check captain, line check pilot, line check airman, whatever you want to call it, is somebody who trains other pilots. So it could be like a first officer or a captain. If a first officer is getting an upgrade to the captain seat, then I act as his first officer, but also his instructor. Okay. So I kind of so do it's both. it's like driver's ed in the air. Driver's ed in the air, exactly. And then... Uh, 
And then if I'm doing a first officer, they're brand new to the company. So I got a lot of stuff to cover with them. And then the other thing I, the other function I have is I do check rides, check, check pilot stuff, which is I sit essentially back behind the pilots and I check them and grade them. Nice. So I just kind of, uh, watch them and then I give them feedback. You know, normally they're fine. They don't fail, you know, that kind of above that level. What happens if someone fails? <laughs> I mean, that is that is a thing and it can be a thing. So if someone fails, then we have to remove them from duty. Yeah. Right. They can they can occasionally be retrained on the spot. If it was just a dumb mistake or a flub, they can be retrained. If it's something that's more insidious, then they get removed and then they actually have to go back to the sim center. Wow. And get trained. So that can happen. Um, has not happened to me. It's kind of rare for people to fail, but it's not rare for them to get like a, not an unsatisfactory, but like a, hey, this needs improvement. Yeah. So we debrief those items and it goes into their pilot records. So. And you're in charge of all of that. Yeah. So I'm in charge of that. So that is what's been going on. I also got engaged. And for those listeners that don't know, fiance is a previous co-host on here now, Mary <laughs> Hall. So Congratulations. Yeah. You were there, James. So I thanks for taking the beautiful pictures. It was fun. I appreciate that. So that's what's been happening with me. That's why I've been so freaking busy. Everyone's busy, man. <sighs> and I've actually tried to record with a couple other people, and like everybody's. Busy I mean, even all you've hit me up a few times, and I'm like, oh, I'm not like out of town or whatever. So right, we're here. yeah, yeah. You went to Greece, and I was like, hey, let's record. You were like, I'm in Greece. I'm in a different country. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So kind of big updates, you know, life updates. Also, not only just like recording for the first time in six months but like crazy crazy stuff going on Um, wild stuff in my life and you know in uh everybody developing professionally so it's harder to find co-hosts and i mean i know you know that yeah the thing is here is and we just talked about this but i'll say it again i do not like to record over like a zoom or whatever yeah i've done it one time and i hated it the audio didn't sync up and it took me eight hours to like edit the the episode yep it's painful it was painful it, and it doesn't elicit the same responses as like being in person no it doesn't at all so then especially like i mean a couple of pines pod we've been doing zoom for a while now because my co-host had to move back to his hometown due to stuff i'm not going to get into so we have to do zoom because he's up in syracuse right and and you're like oh i don't like it yeah, because the audio has a buzz the in quality it. Like, not quality's good. not great. Like I just like to sit here and do like a face to face, face to face, yeah, flight podcast. So today, James, I have what I call a traditional episode for you. Okay, which means that we're going to cover some type of event in aviation history. Unlike the last episode um, that you were on, which we talked about e- Igor Sikorsky, that was kind of like a look at. That was so cool. That was like a look into aviation history, like at a yeah. person, but this is actually an event. Okay. Man, I'm ready to dive in. You want to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. In this format, we're going to talk about the airplane, then we talk about the company, talk about the crew if it's pertinent, and mm-hmm. then we'll talk about the event. Okay. And then we'll wrap it up with like what's changed and stuff like that. Yep. And that's also for listeners who are new or haven't listened to it, haven't listened a little in a while. refresher. Yeah, a little refresher. So, so today we're talking about the DC-10. Okay. A DC-10 is an American tri-jet. It has an engine under each wing and one below the tail. Below the tail? Yeah, I'm going to show you a picture right now. It has one below the tail. 
Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So one under each wing and the one kind of at the base of the tail. Yeah. Yeah. I was picturing it like mm-hmm. at the bottom near the landing gear. Oh, which okay. Seems gotcha, very yeah. dangerous. Okay. Right. DC 10. Cool. Yeah. So that's a DC 10. A couple like bigger trijets were made in the, in the United States. This one, uh, DC 10, particularly successful. Okay. Commercially successful. And what is that like used for? Well, we're getting there. So it's a okay. wide body aircraft, meaning it would, in a passenger configuration, it would have two aisles and three banks of seats okay. arranged in a two seats and then four seats in the middle and two seats. I was recently on a plane like that. There you go. <laughs> this one is manufactured by McDonnell Douglas, um, which is not a company uh, anymore. It was absorbed by Boeing. The DC-10 was intended to replace the four-engine DC-8, which was really old, and it was built for long-range flights. Is that like two engines a wing? Yeah, so the DC-8 was like two engines on each wing, yeah. Yeah, classic plane. Right. The DC-10 first flew in 1970, and in 1971, American Airlines started carrying passengers in them. So what, it was like a freight thing first? Uh, no, they, it was just that was the test article, right? Oh. So in 1970, they flew it. And yeah, then I guess in, you got to test it. Yeah, you got to test it out a while. In, it. Um, in a typical configuration, it has seating for about 270 people in a first class and like a coach version. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, 270. It's a lot of people. When we were flying back from Greece, we flew from Athens to Zurich, Switzerland, Zurich to Newark. And when we got to Zurich, there were a bunch of connecting flights and blah, blah, blah. Everyone gets on the plane. And then the flight attendant goes all passengers accounted for 200 and i think it was 25 and i was just like holy shit like that's a lot of fucking people that's a lot of people to be responsible for yes it is yep so this one could seat 270 which is crazy and it had the first version had a 4000 mile range which is about sorry about 6500 kilometers if you don't use freedom units <laughs> uh it did primarily transcon flights and then they made a larger transcon, version like transcontinental yeah transcontinental okay. flights yeah so pilot lingo. coast coast to coast yeah absolutely thanks for coast the clarification to, so domestic uh initially it was domestic okay yep and then they made a few larger versions of the airplane with range up to about six thousand miles that's 9600 kilometers and that's long-haul international stuff the military really liked this airplane Mm-hmm. The military adopted it as an airborne tanker, and they called it the KC-10 Extender. And the That's military, so military, it really is. Just and call mi- it what it is, dude. DC-10, <laughs> <laughs> and they still use it today. So. The, the, the U.S. What? military still uses oh, it as a tanker. That's badass. It is. It that's does look cool. badass as a tanker, doesn't it? Interesting. Just a quick side note about uh, tankers, military tankers. They don't carry special fuel tanks. So when they fuel another airplane, they actually pump the fuel out of their own tanks. I did not know that. Yeah, so they're not like carrying a like a piggyback tank or yeah. anything. They're not like putting they're just it like in the, here. They're just basically like we got lots of extra fuel, so here open you go, up, bro. Some. That's it. They're like, oh, here's something. You so that's all that's used for to refuel. That's it. Stuff aerial refueling. That is all wild. Yep. So the DC-10 was plagued with early problems, and it had a design flaw in the cargo door. That caused a number of sudden depressurization emergencies where the cargo door either partially or fully separated from the aircraft. That's horrifying. In the early days. That is horrifying. With people in it? Um, yes. Jesus. And these issues were very well publicized. And then, ooh, came American Airlines Flight 191. Oh, God. Where American Airlines failed to follow their proper maintenance procedures and it ended up causing the deadliest aviation accident in U.S. history. That's for another episode, but... Is that 
but that was in u.s history in u.s history what about you know 2001 <laughs> okay right so that's always the caveat okay, right yeah, until okay. 2001 yeah, i was gonna say 9/11. this pre 9-11 yeah okay, pre 9-11 yeah. okay um, See, on my podcast, we can't say 9-11 because we're a conspiracy podcast, so we always get flagged and demonetized, so I didn't know if I could say it. Oh, no, no, you can absolutely <laughs> say it. Yeah, not a, not an issue. Yeah. That really kind of broke the back of the public. They were like, we don't want to be on this thing anymore. And this isn't what we're talking about. No, nope, we're not talking about that. But the result was that in 1979, the FAA grounded all of the DC-10s. Makes sense. That lasted, so. Right. That lasted just 37 days, though. Okay. Not like the 737, which, again, we'll talk about in a later episode where it was grounded for almost two years, but just 37 days. They figured out what was wrong with it. It was not the fault of the airplane. Like I said, it was American Airlines making mistakes. And then in 1983, McDonnell Douglas, based on all that, said that they were going to end production due to lack of orders because the public was kind of reluctant to fly on it at that point. Yeah, I would be. But they continued to work on the design flaws. And they were rectified, and the public slowly regained trust in the big jet and production. That sucks. Because it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't even their fault. They continue, and McDonnell Douglas continued to produce the airplane. Uh, Production finally ended in 1989. 386 aircraft were delivered. That number also includes 60 KC-10 tankers that we looked at. For the military. For the military. So then it was succeeded by the longer and heavier MD-11 in 19... In 1997, Boeing merged with Donald Douglas. They upgraded a lot of the DC-10s that were still in service. Nice. The new aircraft was called the MD-10 and had a glass cockpit, which means they got rid of the old round gauges. They also got rid of the flight engineer station. What's a round gauge? So in, in a modern airliner, you have basically a screen in front of you. Yeah. That's like all your flight information. Mm Mm-hmm. It used to be round dials. Oh, oh, for literal, every, okay, like yeah. literal, like round yeah. dials yeah, for yeah. every instrument. Yeah, and now modern screens just, got rid yeah. of that. Yeah, makes sense. They called the new airplane the the MD10, and it had a glass cockpit, and they got rid of the flight engineer because previously they needed a third pilot to operate the pressurization and the mm-hmm. fuel transfers and all that. But as time got on, they were able to automate all that stuff. Nice. So they were able to get rid of the guy that. Yeah, I got a picture. The guy behind the pilots yeah. facing... Facing the wall. The side. Yeah, yeah, facing the side. I've seen movies. Right, right. <laughs> so this is the uh, so this is the modernized okay. DC-10. That's an MD-10. Oh, yeah, okay. So it looks like a modern airliner. Yeah. You know? So anyway, that's the modern that's the modern airplane, and it looks great. Yeah, a couple screens. The I They were operated by almost every major airline around the world at some point. It was operated by, like... American Airlines, Continental, Iberia, Korean Airlines, Air New Zealand, like basically every major airline yeah. around the world. But just one MD-10 remains in passenger service today. For Just who? one. Tab Airlines. <laughs> They're a Bolivian airline and cargo company. Okay. And as of the, the second largest operator was FedEx. And as of December 31st, 2022, FedEx retired all of its DC-10s and MD-10s. That were in service. R.I.P. Yup. Can't even fly packages anymore, no, bro. You, so Tab Airlines still operates one. Makes sense. And I've talked about this before. There's a few others flying, including what's called the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital, which is an MD-10. What? Yeah, it's an adapted MD-10 for eye surgery. They do eye surgery in it while parked. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. They do it yeah. like in other countries. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, which I is, know a guy who works with Doctors Without Borders. It kind of sounds like that. It's it's that, but they use a giant like refitted battleship. Okay, which yeah, is they, like a floating hospital. Right. So this is a flying eye hospital. Um, <laughs> flying eye hospital. Not what I thought we'd talk about today. Yeah, and it's actually financially supported and operationally supported still by FedEx. Nice. So FedEx is like basically that. given given back. And FedEx has committed to operate this flying eye hospital well into the future. Cool. So 10 DC-10s were converted into aerial firefighters. That's cool. And four of them are still in use. So these are badass. You I like wonder this? if my uncle, he does that. That's pretty badass. He doesn't fly. He plans the routes to put the fires out. But that's, oh, nice. That's sick. Yeah. So they. So in this case, they actually use a huge tank in the center of the fuselage. Yeah. They fill it with water. I've and seen. Then they dump I've it. seen videos of it refueling. It's wild. Unbelievable. Or not refueling. Re- Refilling. Yeah. Watering. Yeah. Filling. That's the word. As you can see, the DC-10 has a really long and diverse history, but ultimately, not really that many were built as compared to like some big Boeings. Like a 747. Like 747s and stuff. There are so many of those. I mean, that's like a universe. Everyone knows a 747. Right. And there's there were 380 or so of these, and there's probably 1,800 of those. Yeah. So, like, a pretty big difference. There's still 64, I think, around. That's the most I could track down. Uh, mostly operated by the U.S. Air Force. They show 58 of their tankers kc-10 tankers still in service interesting so 58 of the original 60 still in service that's cool um some dc-10s are on display in museums around the world others were delivered delivered to permanent storage and have either been recycled or scheduled for recycling basically destroyed yeah long story short unless you're flying in bolivia (laughs) you're not gonna be riding on one dude let's go dude but you may see one in uh, gray air force paint so that's kind of the DC-10. It really has a long history, and it's a very interesting and cool airplane. Ultimately, very reliable after its yeah. initial its initial Mishap. issues. And FedEx operated them for years and years and years. Nice. All right. So the company that we're talking about today, well, we're talking about Federal Express Corporation. Oh Jesus! It was founded in Little Rock, Arkansas. So we're talking about FedEx. Founded in Little Rock, Arkansas. Ar- founded in Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas, I in didn't 1971. Know that. That's weird. Because, like, UPS was Seattle, which makes sense. Yeah. But, like, art. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Fred Smith. Fred Smith was the founder. He was a graduate of Yale University. He drew up the company's concept in a term paper for his for a class at Yale, and he was highlighting the concept of, like, urgent deliveries. Yeah. His professor gave him a C <laughs> and kind of laughed at him. But Fred pushed on. He found some uh, investors, and he started formal operations in 1973 using small business jets. In Arkansas. That's so weird. Okay. But no, he started operations in actually in Memphis, Tennessee. So it was founded in Little Rock. They moved to Memphis. Makes a little more sense. Well, he chose Memphis because it's geographically located sort of central to U.S. geography. That's what I figured you could go like wherever yeah you could kind of like reach everywhere from there he studied the population map of the u.s at the time and memphis was closer to the center of the population map which he found to be like more important the most important thing well but, yeah you need people to deliver stuff to and you kind of want to like maximize your profit by delivering it to the shortest yeah distance yeah. right additionally the weather was relatively stable mostly free from snow and hurricanes yeah tennessee so that was kind of like he was like oh okay well Let's minimize the snow and the hurricane. Close the, to people. Yeah. Pretty consistent weather. 
So the company was better really, than really fucking s- Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's not that far away, to be honest. That's true. So the company grew really quickly. And in just 10 years, it had a billion dollars in revenue. Wow. Which is a lot for 1983. From a C to a billion dollars. Exactly. From a C- <laughs> C's get degrees, my dog. they expanded to europe and asia in 1984 in 1988 they acquired one of their major competitors company called flying tiger line which i actually covered a little bit about flying tiger line i was gonna say i feel like i've heard about that that's a throwback to number one and when they did that they created the largest full service cargo airline in the world crazy in 1994, Fed, Federal Express shortened its name to FedEx for marketing purposes. FedEx. Put an arrow in the logo. They nicknamed it FedEx like years before, so they just kind of like, yeah. they took on their, yeah. yeah. Was checking out FedEx, and I was like, oh, this is cool. So here's a little interesting tidbit about FedEx. In the early 1990s, FedEx planned a joint venture with British Airways to fly the Concorde. Oh, that Concorde was the Concorde supersonic, supersonic jet yeah, yeah. full of freight. From Memphis to Shannon, Ireland. Okay. And then FedEx would take it on their like feeders, basically, into Europe. That was the concept. <laughs> so it was like super okay. fast cargo to yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. right? So I don't... This guy named Ron Ponder, he was a vice president at the time, and he proposed the venture. The numbers guys ran all the numbers. As it turns out, the Concorde was hugely inefficient. I, yeah, I would assume. And it couldn't carry enough weight to make it worthwhile. And it also couldn't carry enough bulk. Yeah. So it's like you couldn't carry like big light stuff because it has small cabin. And yep. you couldn't carry like small heavy stuff because it couldn't carry it. Yeah. Because so, it's fucking supersonic. Right. And it's small and like cramped. So that That's never. so weird. That, okay. never, that never went anywhere. But FedEx now exists as an American multinational conglomerate. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. They're focused on transportation. They're picking up e-commerce. They have a lot of business services. So they're not just like shipping anymore. Tell me if you talk about this. But in college, I wrote a thing about FedEx and I got an A on it. But they're doing this thing in Africa where they have unmanned drones deliver medical supplies to remote villages. That sounds like a FedEx thing to do. It's really really cool. I could... That's awesome. Talk about it for hours. That's I, awesome. I, I didn't like even a know that. Twenty-five page paper about it. Wow. And they do. I didn't. I, I didn't know until this episode that they that they sponsored Orbis Eye. Yeah. So they do the Orbis. When you too, said so. that, I was like, oh, they do the. It's yeah. mainly for blood transfusions because they have these like super fast like slingshot drones, and then they drop the blood in like a parachute. But they've outfitted them to be larger to drop like supplies and stuff and africa is the perfect yeah arena for that because there's like less air traffic and stuff like that yep. so yeah and they need it's really cool help yeah. so that's awesome yeah i didn't even know that thanks for bringing yeah, that up they, they started that in the early 2000s i don't remember the exact year cool but fedex is even known today it's best known for fred's original concept right like air delivery service yeah even though they do a whole bunch of other stuff FedEx was one of the first major shipping companies to offer overnight delivery. FedEx also started FedEx Ground, FedEx Office, formerly known as Kinko's. Really? Yep. That's interesting. FedEx Supply Chain, FedEx Freight, so many other services. Yeah, they do it all. And FedEx is also one of the top contractors for the U.S. government as contracts for USPS, process and transport USPS packages, because FedEx... Memphis International Airport is the busiest cargo airport in the world. Because they're still there. Because they're still there. Cool. 
FedEx is a huge company, 550,000 employees. They operate a fleet of 416 narrow-body airplanes and wide-body airplanes, so 416 airplanes combined. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's FedEx, so I'd picture it. Well, I guess you could put a lot of boxes in a plane. You can. Yeah. That's their fleet specifically, and then they have a lot of contractors that do, like in little airplanes like Cessna caravans and stuff, where they'll take it to, say, take the cargo to Atlanta, Yeah. and then all the little places, the little guys will come as contractors and take it to Macon, oh, okay. like yeah, yeah. Columbus and yeah. stuff like that. You know, That's cool. So they have 37 on order right now. Now you pointed out it's not that many. It's about half the size of the world's largest airline. The world's largest airline only has like 800 planes? 900, 950 airplanes. Who's that? United. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and American. No, that's crazy. I has, would just think it'd be, because, I mean, you go to the airport and there's, couple hundred planes. Yeah. So anyway. I wonder yeah. how many planes Tab has. <laughs> I mean, we could probably look it up. Five. It's, it's probably, <laughs> exactly. I was going to say it's probably like, I don't know, seven. One of them and being the DC-10. And they're all really old and different types. Who knows? I mentioned this. They no longer operate the DC-10 as all the aircraft were parked in December 2022. Yeah. And what's funny is when I started writing this, they were still operating those airplanes because remember I told you it took me six months. Yeah, it's to been like, a while. Yeah, it's been a while. That's so I, wild. So I started writing this and I actually had to update the aviation history part because I waited too long. And what are they all just in like one of those plane graveyards in they like Nevada or something? They sent them to Roswell, New Mexico. Same thing. Yeah, they're just <laughs> sitting in a plane graveyard in Roswell. Exactly. Dude, have you seen the videos of like the dudes who work there with the bulldozers? They'll pick up a plane and like fly it around. Yes, I Mad have. That's funny. amazing. Yeah, the, the excavators and stuff. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So <coughs> FedEx can be found in a ton of pop culture. Really? The film Castaway, which was a huge hit, obviously with Tom Hanks. Yeah. He was a FedEx pilot. That's the whole concept. Can I confess something? Never seen it. He's a FedEx pilot. They crash in the ocean. And, uh, I know the premise. I didn't know how he got there, though, so that makes yeah. sense. So he's a FedEx pilot. They also sponsor a ton of sports teams. Yeah. Especially they, they, they concentrate on golf and basketball. I'm pretty sure our the company I work for, our parent company, they own a NASCAR car team, and uh, I'm pretty sure FedEx is like our biggest sponsor. It does that does not surprise me. They sponsor. I think a FedEx ton. owns a fucking NASCAR team. Anyway, they have a ton yeah, of sponsors. I mean, all. they do like sports. That's the that's one of their biggest things is advertising in sports. They also have an arena, which is Memphis. Makes sense. FedEx has two main competitors: UPS within the United States and DHL outside the United States. Okay, shout out UPS. I used to work for them. Okay, so any questions about FedEx? There's so much more about FedEx, but I no, to, there's a lot, I gotta yeah, boil yeah. it down. No, right? we're good. We can't spend. We're good on FedEx. We all know FedEx, right? Right, exactly. So we're getting on to the event now. Okay. The date for the event is pretty important. It's April seventh, nineteen ninety four. But the crew is more important than that. So okay. let's meet them first. I wasn't even born yet. I had my pilot's license for like three months by then. Nice. So I've been flying for a while. Anyway. Let's meet the crew. So there were three crew members in the cockpit on this particular day. 49-year-old Captain Dave Sanders. Dave had worked for FedEx for 20 years. Davey. And before that, he was a new a U.S. Navy pilot for nine years, and he served as a pilot in Vietnam. Wow. Okay. Next up, we have the 42-year-old First Officer Jim Tucker. Jim Tucker Jr., uh jim tucker jr exactly from memphis tennessee uh, he's actually from alabama so you could even go a little jim tucker jr. jim tucker jr he'd probably like your moonshine 
He you forgot would. to say that in the update. Shannon makes moonshine now. Oh, that's right. I Dude, make... you should sell it as merch. That's right. I could make inside the aluminum tube moonshine with a stick. Inside the a... copper tube. Ah, hilarious. <laughs> Man, this is too good. All right. Well, anyway, let's get back to it. So 42-year-old First Officer Jim Tucker Jr., who had that day, on the day we're talking about, which is April 7th, 1994, that morning, he renewed his first-class medical certificate. I have a feeling that's going to come in later. So It might. Okay. So he had worked for FedEx for 10 years. Nice. He was also a Navy pilot. He also served in Vietnam. He was with the Navy for 12 years. He did a couple tours in Vietnam. Cool. Toward the end. That's he had, rough, man. He had previously worked for a company called People Express Airlines for three years. I never covered People Express. There's so many little airlines that essentially yeah. got absorbed eventually. Last, we have the 39-year-old flight engineer, like we said, the guy who sits side saddle, right? His name's Andy Peterson. He'd worked for FedEx for five years. And so in the cockpit now, we have Captain Dave, First Officer Jim, and Flight Engineer Andy. Cool dudes. Right, yeah. Let's they're, they're see chill. what happens to them. <laughs> so on April 7th, 1994, they're operating a flight called FedEx Flight Number 705. It's a DC-10, and it was scheduled to carry electronics from Memphis, Tennessee to San Jose, California. Okay. On this day, though, there was another person on the airplane. He was a 42-year-old FedEx flight engineer also, and his name was Auburn Calloway. Okay. He's a pretty smart dude, and he's accomplished. He went to Stanford University. Wow. He was also a former uh, Navy pilot. He was a martial arts expert. Crazy. He was not a crew member, though. He was simply a commuting pilot traveling as what we would call a jump seater mm -hmm. and for those who don't know a jump seater is a pilot who works either for the company or for another air carrier and they're allowed to ride on the aircraft for free sometimes often in the flight deck to get to work right to get to work or even travel personally oh okay. like if i wanted to like go see friends in chicago i could just go get jump on seat. a jump seat and ride out there nice so basically, Auburn Calloway, he was just traveling to San Jose, California on a company plane for personal business. So he's not assigned crew. He's got the right credentials. He's a FedEx company pilot. So that's not strange in the least. Yeah. Would someone like you ever have a jump seat on something like that? Or no, because you're a commercial? I could. Oh, okay. I could jump seat on a FedEx airplane, yeah. Cool. And they can jump seat on us Yeah. as well. So FedEx, UPS. I don't know how to get on those jump seats, though. There's like a special website you go to. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. You got to go around the other side, the cargo side of the airport. Some people do it on a regular basis. I've never done it. Weird. Okay. I wouldn't venture, though, to say that nothing about Auburn Callaway or this flight was was all normal. Okay. Auburn Callaway was waiting in the aircraft when the three crew members that were assigned to the air, to the flight arrived. Kind so of he weird. was already on the airplane, which is a little weird. You're supposed to meet your crew. Yeah. He was also sitting at the flight engineer panel acting as though he was working the flight. And he told Andy, the actual flight engineer who was assigned to the flight, mm. that he'd already completed the pre-flight checks. Weird. So for some context, that would be like me riding on a on a company Airbus, but not as the crew and doing some of their job for them. Yeah. It's not only against company policy, but it's kind of weird and a little suspicious. Yeah, it's very weird. But Andy, he's the actual flight engineer assigned to the to the flight. He's a pretty savvy guy, so he did his pre-flight anyway. Good. I was hoping you'd say that. Yep. And during his pre-flight, he found that the circuit breaker for the cockpit voice recorder had been popped, or was popped. Okay. Meaning that the circuit breaker was popped out, and yeah. there was no power getting to the cockpit voice recorder. 
I so mean, that obviously would mean, it's important, but what does that do? Right, so that would mean the cockpit voice recorder would be inoperative without that circuit breaker pushed in. But like, what does the voice recorder do? It records 30 minutes on a loop okay. of everything that happens in the cockpit. So it's... It's, it's essential in accident investigation yeah, to figure okay. out that's what, what I, happened, that's what, the, what, I what the conversation was. Okay. So you can tell by the cockpit voice recorder, like... It picks up ambient sound, so you can tell if you hear explosions. You can yeah. like hear what the pilots are talking about. You can, yeah. you know. So it's just basically a microphone on a thirty-minute loop. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, "What's the guy's name? Auburn? Auburn Calloway. Yep, pulled that thing out." Well, we don't know yet, but Andy took a mental note. He pushed it in. That restored power to the cockpit voice recorder. He did a CVR check, which is what we call the cockpit voice recorder. The CVR, CVR checked good. He nice. went about his business. Okay. Something additional that the crew noted about Auburn Callaway was that he was traveling on personal business, full uniform, pressed and fresh. Weird. Not terribly strange, but a little strange. It's a little weird. Some people might do that. So that necessarily alone wasn't weird. But what is weird is that he had only a guitar case with him. Okay. The, yeah, that's weird. The crew didn't ask Auburn a Callaway about it, but they thought it was strange because pilots normally always travel with a roller bag. Yeah, or they like have a, the little bag. Yeah, or a small briefcase. I mean, personally, I feel naked without mine, and I bring it with me even if I'm like going on a one night. Yeah. I mean, even if I have like two things to carry, I still bring my. Yeah. No, I do the same with my work backpack. Yeah. Exactly. You. D- it doesn't. On Friday, it was literally empty, but I was like, I just need it. I just need it. <laughs> right. So. As a pilot, like I said, it's a little strange to travel without a bag. Yeah, that's odd. Oh, I did discover something, though. As a side note, um, a guy named Bob Plath, he was a Northwest Airline pilot. He invented the rollerboard suitcase, the wheeled suitcase. Wow. In 1989, and he patented it. Yo, that guy is fucking rich. Yeah. (laughs) He he was a pilot? Yep. So a pilot invented rolly suitcases. Yes, he did. Oh, I Um, love that guy. He patented it and traveled. Shout out, Bobby. Travel Pro started selling it in 1992 as Rolla Board. Only in the 90s? Can you believe it went that long? 1992. That's crazy. At no fucking point. How long have we been flying? A long time. A long time. Since Traveling. the 30s. How long have we been traveling? Like, I know, but people... And no one was like, we should put wheels on that. People used to just carry their suitcase like with their hands. Fucking ridiculous. Plebeians. I, I agree with that. I, I, I absolutely agree. It, it's crazy. But anyway, back to the story. So anyway, the crew didn't say anything to Auburn Calloway about him just traveling with a guitar case in a, pr- in yeah, a pressed uniform. Odd. Auburn just sat quietly in the jump seat, which was located after the cockpit. Um, now, mind you, this is a cargo airplane, so there's no door. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Right, so there's no secured door. He's yeah. just he's just because you don't need it. You don't need it because you're not like a box is going to hijack the plane. Right, and you're never traveling with passengers. That'd be a crazy way to hijack a plane. So wrap a dude up in a box. <laughs> <laughs> At just after three p.m., the big DC-10 took off and it began its flight over to San Jose, which was planned for roughly four hours. Okay, but he's okay. So you got three. To picture it: three dudes in the cockpit, Andy staring at the wall. Jim and Dave are flying. Yep. And then Auburn is outside of the cockpit. Just after the cockpit. Like where the flight attendants Yeah, like where we would call the galley. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. he's sitting like where the flight attendants would sit. But is there no wall at all or just no door? There is There's a wall, but But no no door. door. Okay. And there's like two sort of regular-ish airline seats back there. Yeah. And that's specifically just to transport company people around. So, okay, so he's out there with his guitar being weird. 
the crew makes small talk. The plane climbs up to around 20,000 feet. In about 30 minutes, they're climbing slowly. It's a big, heavy airplane. It's full. A little less than 30 minutes into the flight, Auburn Calloway opens up the guitar case, which is at his feet, mm-hmm. and he grabs something out of it, and he walks silently into the flight deck. Weird. None of the three men heard Calloway enter because they're doing their jobs. They yeah. have headsets on. I assume it's a louder plane. Right. It's a little loud. So he takes the claw hammer that he's carrying. Holy shit. Which was among the items in the guitar case. And first he attacks the flight engineer, Andy Peterson, from behind and silently. What? He hit Andy with the hammer and he continued to hit him until he lost consciousness. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah, that came out of nowhere. It did. Okay. Callaway had fractured Andy's skull and severed his temporal artery. And at this point, Jim and Dave don't realize this? No. Well, I guess there's no like mirror, rear view mirror. No, they would have to turn around. Yeah. So Callaway then turns. But his... also, like, he didn't make a noise because don't you have the headsets? He hit him so hard. That's that he just crazy. knocked him out. Okay. He hit him with a claw hammer in the back. Yeah. The, of yeah. The head. That'll do it. So he fractured his skull. Basically, he he put him out. Yeah. And he slumped forward mm-hmm. over his station, and then Callaway turned his attack on First Officer Jim Tucker. Jesus Christ. He hit Jim in the back of the head with the hammer. Sending bone shards into his brain. Oh, my God. And although conscious, Jim was suddenly unable to move. Yeah. So then Captain Dave, who had been busy actually flying the airplane, he suddenly becomes aware of the movement next to him. He turns and looks over his right shoulder, and he sees Callaway coming toward him with a hammer, and he's covered in blood. The other two crew members are then slumped over their controls. Yeah. This is not where I thought this was going to (laughs) go. Yeah, this is... Okay. It just took a turn, right? Callaway starts swinging at Dave, and Dave starts fighting him. Yeah. Some of the blows make it through, but some were deflected. Now, the autopilot was never turned on, as Captain Dave had been flying the airplane, but was now desperately trying to defend himself. So the plane kind of levels off. It's unattended, so it... It's not going to, like, enter a dive. It just kind of levels off, turns a little, and descends a little. Then something happens that Auburn Calloway had not considered. Jim Tucker and Andy Peterson recover enough to begin fighting. Holy shit. Auburn Calloway is now surrounded. Yeah. Two guys behind him. They're all veterans. Yep. Vietnam veterans at that. Including him. And he's a martial arts dude. Oh, yeah, shit. You mentioned So he starts swinging wildly kind of at everybody. Yeah. He's still managing to hit some people and inflict some gruesome injuries. I mean, yeah. But this group of pilots was not going to give up, and Callaway then retreats from the cockpit and back to his guitar case. Oh, God. Fucking Callaway, dude. You should put a picture of a claw hammer up on Instagram. (laughs) I probably will, honestly. Because that's intense. Okay, so he's back at his guitar case. Yeah, so let's pause for a moment and talk about the guitar case. Okay. Auburn Calloway chose some weapons, mm-hmm. and his choice of weapons were pretty bizarre. Yeah. Clearly, the dude was not thinking straight, but we'll talk more about that later. The guitar case that he brought on board had in it two claw hammers. Okay. Two small sledgehammers. Okay. A knife. Yeah. And a spear gun. <laughs> okay. And that's what he had. So Calloway could have easily brought on a real gun. Yeah. But he didn't. When you do, like, jump seats and shit, they don't check that? 
stuff. So so he would have walked into the FedEx Center. Oh, but also I guess this is pre nine eleven. This so is pre nine eleven, but it's also shit. they don't do security at cargo at cargo places. Makes yeah, obviously because you're not carrying yeah. passengers, so you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, so that's sort of just like a problematic thing, right? So, but he could have walked on with a gun, but he didn't. We'll talk about why Fucking he didn't later. Spear gun. Okay. Anyway, Dave, Jim, and Andy didn't really have time to think about what had just happened. They didn't have time to talk on the radio. Maybe they were just too busy not dying. Yeah. Also, um, two of them have literal holes in their head. Correct. Then Auburn Calloway returns, but this time with the spear gun. Jesus. Dave had turned around, and he was getting up to defend the crew because he was the least hurt. Yeah. Auburn Calloway screamed at him, sit down, sit down. This is a real gun, and I'll kill you. And I don't think that Dave had a reason to doubt that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd sit. Yeah. So while Auburn Calloway is screaming at Dave to sit down, the flight engineer, Andy Peterson, who's bleeding from... His head, 10 hammer wounds Everywhere, to his yeah. face and head. Ten. Holy shit. He's teetering on the edge of losing consciousness. Yeah. He also has severe vision issues as a result from the trauma. Okay. Well, he couldn't see Auburn even though he was just a few feet away from him. But what he could see was the spear gun. Yeah. Quote, I could see the barbed steel shaft that stuck out from the barrel and was just inches from my face. So while Callaway screamed at Captain Dave... Flight engineer Andy grabbed the spear gun by the barrel, threw himself on top of Callaway, knocking him into the far left cockpit wall. Mm -hmm. Then Captain Dave saw his opportunity, and he jumped on Callaway as well. Good move. So First Officer Jim Tucker... Okay. He, Is he paralyzed? He, he tries to get up. He's not paralyzed, but okay. he's partially paralyzed. So he tries to get up to join the fight. He quickly realizes that he can't. Yeah. So he kind of falls back down, but he lands in the left seat so now he gets up and he and he's like i can't fight so he gets in the left seat okay he's thinking pretty clearly he grabs the controls of the dc-10 yeah and he's using his left hand mm -hmm. he would have fought but his right arm and right leg are nearly useless oh my god because of the bone shards from his smashed skull and that brought on partial paralysis like you that noted. sucks dude imagine going to work and getting paralyzed by your coworker. That's horrifying. This is this is horror movie stuff. Yeah. So And at high altitude. Right. You watch the wrong movie on a plane, you're fucked up. <laughs> Get <laughs> hitting agree. by hit by a hammer ten times and shit. Well, Jim Tucker knew that Dave and Andy needed help to fight off Callaway. Yeah. Okay, because because Andy is he's Real really messed hurt. up. Yeah. So it's basically Captain Dave fighting this dude, with, this a dude with a hammer or a spear gun at this point. Multiple hammers in a spear gun. <sighs> yeah. So in a he, guitar case, you could probably fuck someone up with a guitar case. I think you could eventually. Mine's pretty heavy. Jim Tucker yeah. uses his good left arm, decides he's going to use the airplane as a weapon. I figured that would happen. So he pulls the control yoke all the way back to his chest and he rolls it hard to the left, which induces a barrel roll. So he's coming Holy up. Holy shit. He actually goes inverted. So now they're upside down? So the inevitable consequence of a barrel roll in a big jet is that if you roll out of it, it's going to result in a steep dive. Yeah. So if you can imagine you're pitching up, you're coming over the top. When you come out the bottom, you're, you're pitching go down. down. Yeah. That is what happens. The plane rolls out, nose low, speeds up. The speed's touching the structural design limit. Jim starts pulling Over back speed. up. Okay. Overspeed. So now Andy and Dave are shouting, get him, get him, to each other as the three men are struggling. 
but they're bouncing all around the cockpit. So now and they is get, Jim even like strapped in at this point? He's not. Holy shit. Okay. So he gets so the three guys get tossed out of the cockpit because they're just trying to So now they're back near so, the guitar case. Right. So they're now back in the galley. In a cargo plane, is it just like empty? It depends. In this in this case it had cargo pallets. No, but it. I mean like you get on a commercial plane and obviously seats, overhead yeah. stuff, all that shit. On a cargo plane, is it just stripped? Just it's stripped empty. But can you like flat metal floors? Is there anything between you and the cargo? No. Oh, okay. So they get tossed out of the cockpit and into the galley, right? Like we said, mm-hmm. right behind. So now Jim, he keeps going with the controls. So they're going between weightless and being pressed up to like three Gs of force. So he's like Holy pushing the shit. control forward, pulling it back. Yeah. Callaway grabs a hammer and he hits Dave again because he doesn't have his spear gun. So he grabs a hammer. I wonder where the spear gun is at this point. So Dave had had enough of that. Yeah. Captain Dave snatches the hammer out of Calloway's hand My and he God. starts hitting him. Hell yeah. He lands a few blows, but nothing nothing substantial enough to subdue him. The reason for that is that Jim had rolled the airplane back to an inverted position. So now they're in a second in roll? a second invert, yeah. So now they're inverted and they're still around nineteen but they're still around nineteen thousand seven hundred feet. So they're not close to hitting anything just yeah. yet. Right. So they're sort of safe. But Captain but also Dave. upside down at 20,000 feet with a dude trying to kill him with a hammer. Yes. So they're pretty safe. Yeah. I do. <laughs> things are, I don't know, things are mediocre at this point, I'd say. Middling, right? Middling. <laughs> yeah. So they're not going to hit anything at the moment, but things are not going well. Uh, yeah. So the Memphis... I mean, the dude flying the plane is partially paralyzed. That's uh, not good. Problematic, Yeah. The Memphis controllers were watching these wild altitude and course deviations. Yeah. Because he's rolling the airplane and he's pulling up and pushing down and going inverted and doing all this other stuff. And they're desperately trying to call FedEx 705. So they keep trying to call him, keep trying to call him, keep trying to call him. Well, these guys all have their headsets off. They can't yeah. hear that they're trying to call. I mean, and two of them aren't even in the They're not even in the cockpit. Cockpit. Yeah. yeah. Even if had somebody had been listening, I don't know. Yeah. Jim's one good hand is flying, so That's it's not it. like he could put his thing back on, which is probably at this point with the dudes in the... This is crazy. Okay. <laughs> so Jim Tucker just kept up with the maneuvers, rolling, pushing, and pulling. He knew that he had to keep the motion unpredictable. Yeah. And he figured that it would keep Callaway off his feet and out of the cockpit, cockpit which yeah. is the goal, right? So Jim Tucker then shoves the yoke forward, and he... It pushes it too hard, and he enters a nearly vertical dive. Holy shit. Wait, and this is on the fucking plane, the DC... DC-10. Oh, my Huge God. airplane. Yeah, it's massive. Right? This thing weighs probably like 350,000 pounds, and yeah. they're tossing it around. Oh, my God. So... I take my hat off. Jim puts it in a vertical dive, <laughs> and then he goes to reach for the thrust levers, which are now on his right, because he's sitting, oh, sitting in he, the left seat. Oh, fuck. And he can't move yeah. his arm. yeah. So he tries to move his arm, but his arm won't move. So the DC-10 now accelerates past 450 knots, which is over 100 knots past the design limit. How fast is that? I was going to say like 500-something Yeah, so 517. Holy shit. But they don't know exactly how fast it was going because that's where the needle stopped. Oh, my God. So he pegged the needle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going towards the ground. Towards the ground now. Oh, my God. He realizes that he's got to get the we don't have to do, DC-10 out of a dive. We don't have to do more math, but I feel like 19,700 feet is not that many miles. 
at that speed they could cover it in about 45 seconds oh my god yeah. the needle pegs and fedex 705 is now moving faster than any dc-10 had ever gone and it actually moves faster than any commercial jet had ever gone without breaking apart yeah so there were some other jets that went that fast but they broke up well that's good this is obviously not sustainable as you pointed out we're gonna we're 45 seconds or or less from hitting the ground Oh if we continue God. to do this. So not only from structural failure, but like I said, also heading toward the earth. Yeah. So Jim Tucker pulls as hard as he could. He's registering around four times the force of gravity, which is, like I said, way over the design structural limit. I mean, he's way over the speed. It's this is none of this is in any the plane should be the wings should pieces. be coming off. Yeah. yeah, totally. And that's according to the flight data recorder. So is that like the black box, which is the black box. Yeah. yeah. So now he turns his whole body. Okay. He reaches all the way across himself from left to right. He pulls the thrust levers to idle. He pulls out the speed brake and he grabs a headset that's there. Okay. And he puts it on. Good. But when he lets go, wouldn't you just start going down again? He's kind of got it in a almost, it's like shallowed out. So okay. it's not going to like start to go down again. It's going to kind of continue on. So its path. he recovered the dive yep. and then reduced all the he speed. He pulls and across, put the reaches across in. from him, pulls it, pulls the speed brake, grabs a headset, puts it on. Is this speed brake like when you land and those flaps go yep. up? On the top of the Nice. Yep. Okay. So there is an alert that says bank angle. Bank angle. With that screaming in the background, that yeah. means he's turning yeah steeper than it should turn the bank i can hear the bank angle i just watched a video yeah. about it then jim gets on and he says quote center center emergency center emergency center listen to me express 705 i've been wounded we've had an attempted takeover on board the airplane give me a vector please back back to memphis at, at this time hurry what's a vector that means they're going to give him a heading oh okay they just need to turn him on a yeah, compass yeah, yeah. direction essentially. go this way so there's a big transcript. I'm not, I'm not going to read directly yeah, from the transcript yeah. because it's going to just take too long. But In summary. Yeah. Memphis calls him back, and Jim tells Memphis that he needs all available runways. He needs medical help, and he needs armed intervention. Okay. So during this— I assume that means, like, SWAT. Dudes with guns. Dudes with guns, yeah. yeah. But during this, on the cockpit voice recorder, That's Dave crazy. and Andy keep yelling for Jim. Yeah. They keep saying, turn on the autopilot. Come back here and help us. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, they don't even know he... Oh, my they don't God. Know. Okay. So, quote, put on the autopilot and help. He's biting me. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's I mean... hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he's biting. So, Jim Tucker got the airplane back into, like, a reasonable shape. He turns on the autopilot and that's he's able... That's insane. It didn't just, like, disintegrate. I, I can't... I mean, it's it really is unbelievable that it didn't disintegrate. And if, if you listen back to, I think, episode seven, I think it's called First Officer's Pen... They did this in a 767, uh, Egypt Air, and um, the airplane break apart in the air. Yeah. But this one doesn't. This one holds together. Let's go FedEx, dude. So Jim Tucker gets gets the airplane back in shape. He gets the autopilot on. He's able to stumble back there, and they're fighting with Callaway. Yeah. And Jim grabs the spear gun. Nice. He points it at Callaway, and he says, if you move, I'll kill you. Nice. Then Dave goes back up to the cockpit. Captain Dave. Sweet. What? Captain Dave goes back up to the cockpit, yeah. and he gets in a seat. Jim and Andy yeah. are in the back. They're the most injured. Yeah, I was going to say that 
Andy can't see and Jim can't move. Exactly. Half of his body. Right. So so they have one good human between the two of them. Pretty much. But remember that Jim has the spear gun. Yeah. So Jim puts the spear gun against Calloway's throat. Nice. They take, Andy takes the hammers and he throws them up into the cockpit. Okay, good. Away from Calloway. So nice he couldn't move. grab them. Where's the knife? I guess still in the guitar case. Okay. He never got well, it. Well, I didn't out. know if the next thing was going to be like, and then Callaway stabbed everyone. I don't know. Continue. Callaway then begins to struggle. Okay. And Captain Dave yells back, "Are you guys okay?" And they say, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and then, rightfully so. And then Captain Dave says, "You got him. If you have to, if you have to put that thing in his throat, you do it." And at this point, Callaway stops struggling. I suppose it's with the understanding that they were probably. Gonna it, kill him. They were probably gonna kill him. Yeah. I wonder how the legality of that would have worked. Like, do you go down for murder if you kill a guy who oh, tried to I hijack your imagine. plane? I can't. With the CVR, probably not. Oh, not true. with the cockpit Very voice recorder. Yeah, they yeah. would be like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, but back down on the ground in Memphis, people are confused. They don't know. What's They're confused, going on. right? Yeah. yeah. They have no idea. They're watching this thing do barrel rolls and shit. And the only thing they got from them is, "We need help. Send dudes with guns." Right. We need help. We need help. So nobody Crazy. understood what was going on. All they knew was that they had a desperate-sounding crew member on the radio yeah. that had reported some kind of attack yeah. and had requested an emergency. From plan. a cargo plane, too. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Captain Dave flies yeah. the airplane. Jim has a gun to Callaway's throat, and Andy is, is there. Helping subdue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Captain Dave's approach is wildly unstable. Okay. So that means that he's, like, descending too quickly. Oh, oh. He's going too okay. fast. On the cock- I thought you meant his approach to the situation. I was like, oh, the no, his thing's approach wildly to the runway. unstable. Yeah, okay. So it's wildly unstable. So what? The Oh, sorry, I punched the mic. That's so the right. people on the ground were like, okay, you can land here. Yeah, they okay. were like, you can land anywhere. Any runway. Do it, yeah. Just do it. And the EGPWS, which What's is that? the Enhanced Ground Proximity okay. Warning System, it's a, it's a database, plus it's like radar altimeter to tell you when you're too close to the too, ground. Yeah, yeah. So it's screaming. Glide slope. Oh, ah. Sink rate. Oh, ah. Sink rate. For, for pretty much the whole approach. Sink rate. Pull up. Sink rate. Pull up. That's horrifying. So it's screaming for a good portion. Do those plane voices are so unsettling? They are unsettling. I mean, there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no way to like, you can't get like a nice mature woman's voice. <laughs> no. No. 1,000. 500. 200. 100. Captain Dave manages to get the airplane on the ground, even though it was a really hard landing. Calloway starts to struggle. As soon as he feels it touch the ground, he starts to struggle back to his feet. But Andy and Jim stood between him and the cockpit and his hammers, obviously, with the spear gun. Yeah. And like I said, it was a really hard landing. But Captain Dave got the airplane stopped, and it was just 900 feet short of running off the end of the runway. Oh, my God. So almost, we almost added an air disaster to this disaster. He sets the brake. He shuts off the engines, and the guys in the back are yelling, come help, come help. So he's really smart. The first thing he does, he walks to the back, and he opens the door, which blows the slide. What does that mean? Like, he opens the door. He didn't disarm it, so the slide goes... Oh, the slide. Oh, okay. okay. And comes down, right? So that's an evac slide. Yeah. I thought the slide was, like, something mechanical. Oh, no, no. You said open the door and blow the slide, and I thought that meant, like, a vacuum opened up or something. No, he just pulls the thing, and the the door opens, and the emergency slide comes out. Yeah. But it's smart, because that allows him to get out, and it allows other people to get in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Callaway wasn't done, and Callaway attacked Dave and Andy yet again, 
But this time, I thought Dave went down the slide. So Dave just blows he, oh, the slide. Okay, okay, okay. And then okay, he, okay, okay. and then he's standing. There. He's there still. He's helping. there like okay. armed intervention. Come on in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's such a badass way to say we need dudes with guns. Oh, I know. Continue. Sorry. When Callaway attacks Dave and Andy, they push him down to the ground and they literally lay on him. So he has no spear gun. Okay. He has no weapons. Anything. They're, yeah. They're just literally they're just laying him on down. him. Okay. And essentially, since he's roughed them up so much, they are just dead weight. They are dead weight. Jim Tucker, he's too injured to keep fighting. Yeah. Okay. So he fights his way back up to the cockpit, and he sits in the right seat, even though the airplane stopped. Yeah. Engines are off. He sits in the right seat. And then a person gets on the airplane. Nice. The first person to get on was a paramedic. Nice. The first thing that he saw was blood. Everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, they hit the ceilings. Yeah. They, I mean, everywhere. They're all bleeding terribly. Imagine, imagine getting those that front row of boxes. Just a bloody box shows up to your office. <laughs> Dave Sanders and Andy Peterson are now laying on top of the still struggling Auburn Callaway. Jim Tucker sat shaking in the right seat of the airplane. Yeah. And he was fading in and out of consciousness. Yeah. The police were next on board. Do you want to pause for the police? That's a good timing, though. The police were next on board, and Auburn Calloway was handcuffed and nice. dragged out. Okay. Nice. Imagine being handcuffed and just, like, tossed down that slide. <laughs> I don't know how they got him out. I couldn't find out any details about they that. They would have had to just slide out, right? I guess they would have had Because I would assume at this point you don't, like, deflate or detach the slide and put one of those walkways up, the stairs. Maybe uh, they did. No, who, knows? who knows? I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure. I tried to look into it, but I couldn't. I yeah. couldn't find any information. So Andy Peterson and Jim Tucker are transported by ambulance, unable to walk. So they take them out, those two guys out on a stretcher. Yeah. Initially, I how they got a stretcher up there. <laughs> they were initially listed in critical and unstable condition. I mean, yeah. Due to head injuries. Yeah. Whereas Dave Sanders, he walked, Captain Dave, he walks off the airplane and he's also taken to the hospital. He's listed in non-critical but stable condition. Yeah. But make no mistake, they were all severely yeah. injured, yeah. right? Oh, my God. And the injuries would forever change their lives. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So here's the injuries. Okay. First Officer Jim Tucker. I feel bad I made fun of him in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First Officer Jim Tucker had his jaw dislocated as well as suffering several fractures to his skull. Oh, my God. His right arm had been stabbed with a spear gun. And Auburn Calloway had attempted to gouge out one of his eyes, causing permanent damage. Holy shit. Captain Dave Sanders had several deep gashes in his head, a concussion, and his right ear was severed, but was able to be reattached. Oh, my God. And flight engineer Andy Peterson's skull was badly fractured, and an artery had been severed, causing permanent brain injuries. That's no, horrifying. It That's is horrifying. Terrible. Not a single person on this flight would ever fly again. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about the aftermath in a moment. But before we do that, let's talk about the big question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Why, though? Yeah. Why? Why did Auburn Calloway do it? Yeah. Did he say? He does, actually. Oh, sick. So why did I he? I hate when people do shit and then they don't. It's right. Like, bro, you go we got you. Tell us. So he does. He tells. Okay. Why didn't he bring a gun? We know. Why? Well, there are a lot of questions, and we have the answers. You ready? Yeah, I'm very ready. So Auburn Calloway worked as a flight engineer for FedEx. We already learned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The company began investigating irregularities in Auburn Calloway's flight hours, 
and he was directed to appear at a hearing scheduled for April 8th at the company's headquarters, which would have been the next day. Yeah. So shortly before the date, and we're getting to why, shortly before the date of that meeting that was scheduled at FedEx, where Callaway figured he would get fired yeah. for falsifying his records, which he did, he began rearranging his financial affairs. He moved about $40,000 worth of securities to his ex-wife. Okay. He sent her cashier's checks totaling about 14000 He also paid a visit to FedEx Employee Benefits Office. He changed the beneficiary on his life on his accidental death and dismemberment policy on his life insurance to his ex-wife. Okay? So here we get a little glimpse. Doug Kinsey... Was his ex-wife his ex-wife before all of this, or is she his ex-wife now? Or you don't know? No, she was his ex-wife before. It's a lot of trust to put into your ex-wife. So Doug Kinsey, also a FedEx employee, shared an apartment with Auburn Calloway because of his divorce. Okay. He, Doug, called the FBI after the attack... And he reported that he had seen a note in the apartment written by Auburn Calloway listing the names of FedEx 705 crew and FBI agents. And FedEx also found a note in the airplane. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure it. I couldn't find its contents. Wild. Based on the roommate's information, the FBI got a search warrant, obviously, for Calloway's apartment. They found, among other things, a note listing the FedEx 705 crew members. A note listing the weapons used in the attack, two bank receipts, Callaway's will, and a power of attorney form. Okay. So based on this, he was charged with attempted aircraft piracy and interference with flight crew members and attempted murder. Yeah. So at trial, the full plan was revealed. I'm literally, for the listener, on the edge of my seat. (laughs) So two years before this, he'd gone through a messy divorce and he lost custody of his children okay that was traumatic for him yeah he now was facing termination from fedex for falsifying his logbook yeah which he had done when you say falsifying his logbook what he was like saying he worked when he didn't or something he was making up hours from like when he flew in the navy or whatever so that he could get the job oh because he wasn't like he didn't have enough time to be qualified for the job and he made up the time yeah well because you need if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know, but you need a certain amount of hours to get right. a pilot's license. Okay. I thought you meant like work hours, not flight hours. Right. And he didn't have enough hours. Yeah. It'd be like if I hired. applied to FedEx and lied about yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Of course. And eventually they're going to figure it out. Yeah. And they'll do an investigation and then they'll really figure it out. Yeah. And that's where he was. And then you get in trouble. And then he was going to get fired. So he was about to lose his job at FedEx. You'd probably get in a lot of legal trouble for that too, right? You probably would. Yeah. Yeah. They would they would probably sue you. Also the FAA, that's in violation that's of That's what I'm saying. Of yeah. Some federal yeah. regulations. So And the FAA ain't nothing to fuck with. So folks. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Callaway came up with a plan, and here's his plan. Yeah. He wanted I... to disguise the hijacking as an accident. So his family would get his a lot of money two and a half million dollar which is about equivalent to five million dollars today they would get his life insurance he also revealed why he didn't bring a gun so auburn calloway wanted to inflict injuries consistent with an aircraft crash yeah so blunt force trauma yeah he he planned to bludgeon the crew to death but still a spear gun and in the last resort the last his last resort was the spear gun right but then here's where it gets really dark but also with a spear gun I know you, get you can one only shot. use it once. I yeah, because once I it's in something, it's like you said, or Andy said, it's barbed. It's barbed. You can't pull it back out, right. which is the whole point. Okay, whatever. Continue. Again, he's not in the right yeah, mind. Okay, yeah. he's 
planning. So basically, he was trying to kill himself so that his kids and ex-wife could get money. Right. Okay. But then he was going to fly the DC-10 into the terminal of the FedEx shipping hub, also the offices of FedEx at the time. And he reasoned that his own death would secure his family's future via the insurance, like you said. And also, Wait, so he was going to like 9-11 the He was FedEx? going to 9-11 the FedEx center. And it would, and it, he thought this that- is really fucked up to say, and maybe you might want to cut this out. But imagine if he did that, would nine eleven have never happened? That I mean, probably you you could couple very, pints pod baby. <laughs> you could pro- you you probably have a good point. Um, so he thought he reasoned that crashing the airplane into the FedEx yeah. center would then destroy FedEx, which is not okay. reasonable. That's I mean, like I some movie plot, shit. right? Right. So. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So obviously it went to trial. Yeah. Right? I would hope so. Yeah. So at trial, Auburn Calloway pled temporary insanity. Oh my God, of course. that plea was denied. That's bullshit. Get rid of that shit. And the reason it was denied was the judge was like, careful planning. This isn't temporary insanity. You took, you moved all this money. You did all these life insurance changes. No. You also documented all of it. Exactly. So, on Fucking August eleventh, nineteen ninety-five, he was convicted. Oh, it's my mom's birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, not ninety-five, but August eleventh. I was going to say your mom was born in nineteen ninety-five. That's interesting. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> I was born in ninety-six. What up? <laughs> um, so on August eleventh, nineteen ninety-five, he was convicted of attempted murder and attempted air piracy, and he was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without nice. the possibility of parole Good. because it's a federal we charge. Like that. Auburn Calloway is still alive. He's really, an, he is, and he is an inmate with the well, federal. I guess it was Bu- only the nineties. Yeah, yeah, and he's an inmate with the federal Bu- bureau of prisons. He is imprisoned at a high security prison in Allenwood, Pennsylvania, which is near Williamsport in Central PA. Dude, we should go. So that's the last time we're going to talk about Auburn inside Calvary. the aluminum tube. Takes field a field trip, trip, dude. Let's visit him. All right. So what about the crew? Here's the thing. I searched for information about Andy Peterson. I feel so bad for these guys. Flight flight engineer Andy Peterson and Captain Dave Sanders. I could not find a single thing about those two guys. Yeah. But Jim Tucker Jr. Jim Tucker Jr. I'm sorry I made fun of you. I found him. You're a hero. In an article from, from June 2019. So Really? Af- okay. After this event, he moved his family from Memphis oh. to rural Alabama. Okay. Nice. Where... Where here's what the article says: He's a dedicated husband, father of three, and a Sunday school teacher. Nice. Jim volunteers his time as chairman of the Headland, Alabama Airport Authority, and is a board member of the Alabama Council of Aviation. Cool. Jim owned a small two seat Luscombe, which is kind of an old airplane, but like a hobby airplane, like a little two seat, you know, prop like plane. a Cessna. Yeah. Okay. Basically, and he owned that at the time of the attack. And he kept it. Nice. He flies it still really? with a friend. Okay. And the friend acts as the pilot in okay. command because okay, yeah. he can't get a medical. Yeah. So the medical certificate that he got on that day was the last one he would ever get. That, oh, that's so sad. And it could never be <clears throat> renewed because his extensive injuries. Yeah. So because he's did we determine that he's paralyzed on half his So he has so he's not fully paralyzed. He has Partial use, and he, but he has eye, uh, oh yeah, eyesight eye injury, fucking gouged out. Jesus Christ! Right. Okay. So yeah. So what happened to the airplane? 
So this is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. What happened to the airplane? Yeah. I forgot about the airplane. Right. <laughs> so the airplane is part of aviation history, right? So the airplane involved in the incident suffered almost a million dollars worth of damage due oh to extreme God. overspeed, yeah. extreme G-loading, and a very overweight landing. And blood everywhere. However, it was returned to service with FedEx. No way. It was updated and converted to an MD-10, no longer needing the flight the, engineer. Yeah. And it continued to operate with FedEx as a freighter until December 31st. 2022 holy shit when it was retired with the rest of the fleet do you think the people flying that plane knew that it was that plane they definitely knew that's crazy they definitely knew can you like say no no so if they were like go fly this murder plane you'd have to be like okay yeah you'd have to go okay yep damn so well, i mean i guess in the long run as long as Calway's it's been not repa- on it. You're it's, good. Yeah, exactly. And it's been <laughs> repaired properly and all that. Upon learning about this historical airplane's retirement, an aviation enthusiast named Jack Snyder, he started an online petition to get FedEx to assist in preserving that aircraft. Yeah. Because it's significant to aviation yeah. history from the involvement and survival so what, of Snyder the wants it like in a museum or something? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I didn't look up the petition. It's okay. But... You did a lot of research. (laughs) As of March 21st, 2023, the petition that he started, and that's March 21st, it obtained 10,500 signatures. However, that aircraft remains in, quote, permanent storage in Roswell, New Mexico with the others. Damn, dude. So there's no significant procedural or or regulatory changes. I mean, yeah, it was human attack. Yeah. That is fucking crazy so yeah so i'm next is my sources but let's talk about it so yeah like i was saying that is not where i expected that to go i mean just suddenly right i thought it'd be like oh the breaker and then there were other things he tampered with and then like the plane fell out of the sky and crashed in like a field and wherever not this dude <laughs> whipped With out the hammer. hammers and started bludgeoning everyone. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense also why he thought that somehow, that he would somehow get a, get away with it and the insurance would somehow pay. Yeah. There's no logic behind that. He brought those items onto the airplane, which they're obviously... I was going to say, even if they he crashed it... They're going to find those They're going to find uh, at least remnants of it. Yes. But <laughs> I'm just going to say, like... It was very poorly planned. Yeah, no, horribly. Also, I'm not advocating any of this. I'm just saying, if he had brought a gun on, he could have shot them quickly. Yeah. And then crashed the airplane, and in the wreckage, there's no way. Yeah. In all that jet fuel, in all that, there's no way they would have found that. There wouldn't have been any remaining body, is what I'm saying. Exactly, yeah. It would have been completely destroyed. And it's full of cardboard and shit. Right, so it's full of all the electronics equipment, plus all the fuel to go to San Jose. Oh my God! Yeah, I didn't. That airplane landed like forty thousand pounds overweight because it had to burn that fuel on the way to. So it was full of fuel. All things in that aircraft would have been completely eviscerated. Eviscerated, absolutely brought to nothing but yeah bits of ash. And also, like you pointed out, why a spear gun? If you're gonna so weird, it doesn't make any sense. The dude made no sense. So So I don't know if he was temporarily insane or just deranged. I don't even want to say mentally ill. Because that's no. not it. He had a really traumatic divorce, and then he's going to get fired. I think he just had a mental breakdown. That's insane, it. though. Then your answer is, let me hijack a plane and crash it into FedEx 
something and life insurance. None of it made any also, sense Also, there's at a all. paper trail of you setting up where all the, like, oh, my God. Yeah. He also d- had all that shit in his apartment. Yeah. It's like, come on. Like you were saying, even if he was successful, it would have been like, n- no. No, they wouldn't have paid yeah. the insurance. They would have been like, this guy's. A literal terrorist. Right, a literal terrorist. So, so that is James FedEx 705. That's crazy. <laughs> I right. don't even know what to say. That is insane. So let me read my sources. So. I was going to say, one of my questions while you were wrapping up before we did the recap uh, was, how do you find all this stuff? So go ahead. So I dig and dig and dig and dig. Yeah. I you start with Wikipedia. It spreads trails yeah, from leads, the bottom, you, all yeah. the leads. I, I use a little bit of the information, but I verify everything that I yeah. find on Wikipedia through other articles. I use an article on AvWeb to find the information about Jim Tucker. Nice. Uh, AOPA.com, Dude, which is... I want to meet this guy. Aircraft Jim Owner Tucker's and Pilot Association.com. I bet. Um, WashingtonPost.com, the official... Now, this is interesting. The official federal court brief for U.S. Whoa. versus Callaway. That's so sick. I read that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, aviationgeekclub.com, asn.com, tailstrike.com, where you can read the cockpit voice recorder transcript in full Ooh. if you're interested. Aerotime.arrow and wearethemighty.com. So I used wearethemighty.com. I used about 10 to 15 articles yeah. to piece all the information together. No one article had all, all the it, information yeah. correct. It was here and there and some from the date and some from the investigation yeah. and some from the court case and you know kind of like put that together so but you know who has it inside the aluminum 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 tube <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell you this whole seat but you'll only need the edge Dude, now he literally was on the edge of his that's seat that's insane so anyway goodness. i really did not see it going there at all and I've listened to some of your more traditional ones because usually when I come yeah. on, we do the back and forth and yeah. I read and you send me stuff. And, right. But like, holy shit. That is, yeah, cuckoo bananas. That might top the UFO one you and Mary did. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty dramatic. Which was also, I was in my car like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. No, that's too. crazy, dude. It is a crazy story. So anyway, James, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks for being on. I Thank appreciate you for it. me. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll, oh, yeah, for We'll sure. do it again before six months has elapsed. Yeah. So, anyway. I'd love to do the... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll do the American 191. Yeah, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, that'll be a good one. All right. Thanks All right, for man. having me.